Welcome, adventurers. When season one ended, the city of Feld's Crossing was unaware that it was in great peril. But that danger draws near, and the city's ignorance is about to be undone. Season two begins now. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon Ella Sheva rustled and rearranged the papers on her desk in frustration, finally looking up. The woman in front of her stood straight-backed, arms locked at her side, composed face staring ahead. Her breastplate was well cared for, and the dark blue uniform she wore was clean and unwrinkled. A fine example, and the very model of a soldier. She was a child. Elisheva scowled, a low growl escaping as she turned her head to face the only window the small office had. Gods, when did she get so old? Damn Yonuf to the hells for putting her in this situation. The girl, the woman, that stood before her was most likely too young to have even held a sword during the Null Wars. Without turning to look, Elisheva growled. How old are you, Corporal? I'll be twenty this lack year, Captain. The voice clear and unwavering. A goddamn spring baby, all optimism and hope. Goddammit, Yonif. Maybe she was picking up her first training sword when the war ended. Maybe. Dust drifted through the daylight that filtered through the window. Ella Sheva ran the candidates through her head one more time. A frown held its place on her weathered face. Tramseer was the most senior of her corporals at the age of twenty-eight. He had seen two months of service at the end of the Knoll Wars, none of it at the front lines. Despite his age and martial prowess, he lacked the grasp of the larger picture. He rarely considered the ramification of his actions on any other than himself. When put in a situation where quick and decisive decisions were required, he tended to flounder, delaying until told what to do. And the man was a slob, nearly as dirty and unkempt as Yonif when she had first found him, face down in the muck in the back alley behind the plowman's rest. Just thinking of how dirty the man was made her want to find him and beat him with a broom. No, despite his seniority, it could not be him. Sumira was at least older than Corporal Veshna, who stood before her now. Twenty-four, was it? Sumira had a fine grasp of unit maneuvers and tactics. She was passable with a blade, but more importantly, possessed the necessary calm under fire that a leader needed. What worried Elisheva was her methodical and overly cautious nature. Despite her skill and knowledge, there came a time in every combat situation where plans break down, where the unexpected presents itself. In those times, it takes a certain instinct, an undefined ability to see these changes quickly and to adjust and adapt. To date, Corporal Sumira had not shown this instinct, and that bothered Elisheva 
more than she could say. Maybe with some more time. Maybe with some real combat experience, she would be ready to take charge. God's damn Yonuf, the selfish gob. Just thinking about his departure made her face begin to flush red in anger. Unwilling to admit to herself, the anger was just a disguise for her sadness. The sadness of losing a rare soldier, and more importantly, a friend. It seemed with each passing year, there were fewer and fewer in the guard that had been through the Knoll Wars, that knew what it was to be a soldier in war. When Elisheva had found Yonef, he was a sodden pile of alcohol and self-loathing. Though she never told him, it broke her heart to see him in that condition. She had lost many soldiers under her command during the Null Wars, and she knew of many more that were never quite able to figure out how to live after. So when she found him passed out in the alley that night, it was through her stubborn resolve and a caring heart that she would never admit to, that she vowed to herself she would not lose this soldier. She had taken Yonif into her home for the first few months, regularly pulling him from taverns and finding his hidden stashes of cheap wine, ale, and whiskey, each time forcing him to be the one to pour it out onto the ground. Near the end of the first two months, Yonif had begrudgingly admitted to Elisheva that he blamed himself for the death of his father. And after letting him cry, she told him he was reporting to her as a private in the Feld's crossing guard in the morning. A month after that, Yonef had moved out into his own apartment, taking his new appointment with great seriousness. His time in the guard was not perfect, and Elisheva still had to pull him from taverns from time to time, even taking him back into her home twice more while fits of darkness passed. But over the next six years, Yonef worked his way to corporal, and then sergeant of the watch at the north gate. After Yonef became a sergeant, he would report regularly to Elisheva, and sometimes, after his report was delivered, they would share an ale and talk of people they had known or things they had seen in the war. Occasionally, if one or both had had a bad day, they would sit in moody silence. Elisheva had never said, but she treasured these quiet moments. And so it was that she sat here, her anger flaring at the loss, angry that she had to replace someone she knew and trusted, someone who had proven themselves on the field of battle. It made her even more irritated that it was Yonif himself who had suggested that Tramsir was not the right choice to replace him, and that he saw great potential in Veshna. Gods damn it, Yonif. She turned to look back at Veshna where she stood, patiently waiting, seemingly unperturbed by Elisheva's brooding. She did her best to burn a hole into Veshna with her icy blue stare, working her jaw the whole time. Just as she was about to speak, the door of her office banged open. A young guardsman burst through, then pulled up as if startled. His eyes dashed between Veshna and Elisheva. He ungracefully pulled himself to attention and then snapped off a sloppy salute, cowed by Elisheva's red-faced stare. Well, Private, spit it out. If you're going to kick down my god's damn door without knocking, I assume this is important. Elisheva barked. Yes, Captain. He yelped over loud in his flustered excitement. 
An army has been spotted marching on Feld's crossing from the south. They're less than a day's march away. An army? An anticipatory pause. Whose army? Uncertain, Captain. Initial reports say it could be hobgoblins. As the soldier replied, Elisheva saw Veshna's eyes widen ever so slightly. But other than that, she remained unmoving. Elisheva swore under her breath. Fucking scrut. And then standing, she said, And may I ask, Private, why you are standing in my office and not sounding the God's damn alarm? The Private dropped his salute, face flushing, eyes darting to look at Elisheva, who roared. Alarm! Now, Private! He stammered for a moment, skittered, almost as if he had forgotten where the door was, and then dashed from the room, leaving the door open. Elisheva took a worn silver pin, the shape of the shield, from where it lay atop the desk. Yonef, sergeant of the watch pin. She ran her thumb over it for a moment. She looked to Corporal Veshna, catching her eye, and then stood staring into those eyes for ten full beats. Elisheva tossed the pin to Veshna, who snapped it deftly out of the air with her left hand. Sergeant. Tell Tramzir he is relieved of his temporary command of the North Gate. The North Gate is yours. Secure it. Send runners to the West Gate. There will be a commander's meeting atop the Southern Gate and one bell. Elisheva made a slow salute. You have your orders, Sergeant. Dismissed. Yes, Captain. The constant clamor of the city bells and panic shouts and cries of the citizens of Feld's Crossing had diminished now into the more organized buzz of activity of a city preparing for attack. Seoul had just passed its zenith, beginning a descent toward a night that brought in nervous anticipation to the city. Three clear bell tolls now rang every quarter bell's time to signify the state of emergency. Outriders had been sent to the surrounding areas with twice as many going south as any other direction, to warn those dwelling in the countryside to either make haste back to the city or flee directly away from it. Messengers had been sent west to Cumbershaw, east to Borgen, and north to Jumato. But it would be days before those messages arrived, even if the Hobgoblin army did not intercept them. The army marching from the south indicated that one or more of the outposts at the Knoll's Reef had either been bypassed or more likely overrun, as it would be unlike hobgoblin nature to leave an enemy at its back undefeated. A call had gone out to see if any magic users with the ability to send or receive messages resided within the city, but none had come forth so far. Elisheva stared south to the horizon. If she wasn't giving orders or responding to reports, her mouth was clamped firmly shut, teeth occasionally grinding in frustration. Without scouting information, she could make none but the most basic of plans. The city guard, the only trained military force in Feld's Crossing, numbered just under a thousand souls. And even that was only through the force of Elisheva's own will, who fought tooth and nail at every council meeting to keep the number of trained soldiers employed by the city up. If it wasn't for her, the guard would number five hundred or less, she suspected. 
There were maybe as many as three hundred in the reserve guard, experienced fighters who drilled only three or four times a year. After that, it was the volunteer town militia. Possibly another eight hundred to a thousand. She didn't really know. She did know that they would be poorly armed, and for that every one that showed promise, four would merely be a body to be cut down in a direct confrontation. Where were the gods' cursed scouts? She turned finally to look at Sergeant Torma, a steady dwarf who kept the south gate, and stood atop the tower with her. Gods damn it, Sergeant! <laughs> she said, spitting, before she began to pace. Neither Torma nor the other two guardsmen on the tower so much as flinched. Yes, Captain, he said in agreement, unmoved by her irritation. And the demons in hell as well. Time crawled by. A bell and a half passed. Soul sat low in the western sky. And then, finally, the slightest bit of movement could be made out on the last road, barely more than a black speck approaching from the south. After what had seemed an eternity, the distant beat of horse hooves could be heard. At long last, a rider. Elisheva made four quick steps to the parapet wall. It was a quarter bell still before the rider made the foot of the gate. She called for it to be opened and then turned to make her way down the stairs to the base of the tower. As she emerged from the door at the base of the tower, the gate was already beginning to close again. On the ground, a soldier who she assumed to be the rider sat, hugging her knees, as two others examined an arrow protruding from their back, just near the shoulder blade. As she watched them fiddle with the arrow, she heard the sitting soldier's voice, muffled from being pressed into their knees. Oh, for Garoyan's sake, it's not that deep. Just pull the fucking thing out. The two soldiers looked to one another, silently willing the other to be the one to do it. Elisheva scowled, walked to where the soldier sat, put her knee on their back, and with one swift motion, yanked the arrow free. Fucking scrut, you clumsy gob! The soldier swore, back arcing from the pain, blood beginning to drip from the hole in the leather armor that the arrow had made. Continuing to unleash a string of profanity, the soldier stood and turned to face Elisheva. Seeing who was standing there, arrow in hand, the blood drained from the soldier's face, and she stood quickly to attention, mouth snapping shut. Elisheva stared just a moment, eyes flashing to the single bar pinned at the neck of her uniform. What's your name, Private? Ordone, sir. You are part of the scouting party, Private? Yes, sir. Any other survivors? None that I know of, sir. The hobgoblins have skirmisher squads far in advance of the main host. I believe they took most of us out. Elisheva spat, her frown becoming even more pronounced. And what about you, Private? What can you tell me? A flicker of pride passed Ordone's eyes. I was able to hide in a tree stump until the skirmishers passed. After that, I was able to make my way to get a look at the main host. They march at a rapid pace. If they keep it up, they will be here by nightfall. Numbers. They are trying to disguise their numbers by moving in irregular groups and are spread wide to each side of the road, obscuring the view to the units that follow behind. I was able to find a small rise in the landscape to see past their front ranks a bit, but all things considered. 
It was difficult to tell. Her voice falling off, uncertainty passing over her face. Ella Sheva reached up to place a hand gently on the soldier's uninjured shoulder. Private, she said in a quiet, almost motherly tone. Your eyes are possibly the only that will see the enemy before they reach us. I need to know what we face. A number, Private, Ordone swallowed. Ten thousand, maybe twelve. They have engines of war with them. Elisheva removed her hand and joined it with the other, clasping them behind her back. She stood straight, and the frown on her face turned into an expressionless mask. You have done well, Private Ordone. Find the medics and get yourself patched up. She then faced Torma. Sergeant, send runners to the other gates and to the city council. Tell them to make all possible preparations for a siege. Things look grim for the city of Feld's Crossing. But there are people about to be trapped inside the city walls who would contend with an even greater evil. Whom do I speak of? Stay tuned next week for the conclusion of Those Who Would Defend 